Good morning. Good to see you this morning. We are glad that you're here. And I just want to say uh, one more time, last week was awesome, the water baptism, and thank you to everybody. Listen, if you just showed up and enjoyed it, you need to thank somebody because there's some people who worked really hard, and especially want to say a big thank you to those ushers that moved chairs, they put them up where we told them to, and then they had to move them somewhere else because uh, things changed. We had a bigger crowd than we were expecting outside, and everybody that said they wanted to stand decided they wanted to sit, and we moved them around and moved them back and moved them and moved them. We were still moving chairs this morning because we had a wedding yesterday, and I was thinking this past week, uh, just, man, how blessed God has uh, made our church. We have so many... So many signs of life at 2911. Just a few weeks ago, about three or four weeks ago, we dedicated another baby. And uh, I need to look back and count how many babies we've dedicated since, uh, since we've been here at 2911. But and we dedicated another baby just about three or four weeks ago. I spent some time in the parking lot. I was a little late getting back in the service. I was out in the parking lot. Spent some time with some, new, some newcomers. And uh, they're, they're expecting a baby. And we've got a, another little mom expecting a baby up here close to the front somewhere, I, I guess, I don't guess she's keeping that a secret anymore, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, Haley, if you were, uh, but, uh, just signs of life like that, I mean, just, uh, baby dedications, babies being born, uh, and the water baptism is definitely a sign of new life, and people being saved, I mean, y'all see the name scratched out there at the bottom of the, the bottom of the list there on the wall. It was really cool. Last week, I got to meet a lady. I, I walked by her, and she said, hey, you need to give. And she pointed at a couple of our attenders there and said, you need to give them an extra cookie. And I said, really, why? And she said, because uh, my name's on the wall, and I'm here today. And uh, I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, I looked over there, and I said, what is all that writing on the wall? And they said, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and uh, they, they, then they told me what it was all about, and she said, I thought, and I said, my name's on the wall, isn't it? And they said, yeah. And it was an amazing thing. She was, she was smiling and so glad that somebody cared enough to do that. All these signs of new life and, and uh, uh, kids, teens being born uh, into the kingdom of God. Carolyn telling me about, about uh, hers, uh, her little boy leading him to the Lord just a little over a week ago. Hey, there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing. I'm sorry? Both of them. Praise God. There, there's no greater joy that I've had in my life than the night I led my son and my daughter at an early age to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we're having that happen around here. We've got some awesome signs of life around here. And we don't, like Britton was saying about God and his presence, we don't need to take these things for granted. I don't know if you visit around, but everybody's, everybody's not enjoying the signs of life like God is blessing us with right now. And so let's just, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is we're not, it's not that we're doing so much right. We, we, you know, we're just trying to stay out of God's way. So let's, let's stay out of God's way. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, stay out of God's way. <laughs> and let me give you one last sign of life. as uh, It's something brand new tonight. We're changing up the growth track. We've been doing it in extended classes on Wednesday nights. We're going to start starting tonight. We're going to do it in four classes on Sunday nights, four weeks in a row, but we're going to do this every month. If you miss one of these next four weeks, hey, you can catch up uh, because we'll be doing it again in November, the same four classes. We're going to repeat these. That way, that way newcomers, when they come in, they're not waiting six months to growth track to start. You know, they maybe wait a couple of weeks or sometimes, you know, if you're a newcomer today, we invite you. Please be here tonight. 
Uh, five o'clock, be here a little early. We're going to have some fellowship. I promise you, you'll be dismissed by 6.30. I can't promise you you'll be out the door because a lot of you like to hang around and talk. But I can promise you, you will be dismissed by 6.30. My goal is 6.15, so that gives me another 15 minutes to fudge. Yeah, I'm doing the very first session pretty much all myself because uh, it's all about 29.11, our heart, what, how, why the church is here, and those things. Please be here. And I know some of you say, but I've been here, you know, I was here your first Sunday. Well, okay, great, but... There's some things that changed, some things that happened. This is third year. There's some, uh, some uh, refocusing. There's some rework that we've been doing. We've been going deeper this year, and God's speaking some new stuff. There are some things you're going to hear even tonight that you've never heard before and some things that are different. Uh, you hear them in a different way. So please be here if at all possible. We're going to have some fellowship. You know what that means. Got a little food planned too. And t- child care is available. Now listen, teenagers, we don't have child care for you. We expect you to be here and be in the one-on-one session because you're not part of a separate church. You're part of this church, 2911. We invite you to be here tonight and learn all you can. Okay, listen, uh, it's really exciting to me this week. Some things changed about the, kind of the sermon calendar uh, about a week and a half ago. And I actually had another set of questions that I really wanted to preach to you about on a frequently asked question series. It just, wouldn't, it just wasn't working into the calendar. And then some things changed about a week and a half ago. And so today we're, I'm getting to bring those last few questions to you. And no, no we're not going to deal with the Bigfoot one, okay? Uh, that, you know, you'll have to ask me about that one later, about, about Bigfoot. And actually, I'm not really sure myself, okay? But we, 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 you know, we'll look into it if you want to. But uh, so today is a frequently asked questions, an FAQ epilogue, all right? So let's have a word of prayer and get into this message. Father, I love you, God. I thank you, God. I'm so excited about what you're doing, Lord, the new life, God and the, uh, the new awesome things you're doing, Lord, the great testimonies that are happening. God, uh, God, the great stories just from last week even, Lord, just that one day. God, just, you're just blessing us way beyond, God, anything we, we could ever merit from you. God, I just thank you for that kind of grace and mercy that does that. And Lord, I just pray, help us stay out of your way, God. Help us keep our sin out of your way. Help us keep our attitudes. Help us keep our personalities and conflicts and stuff. Help us keep that out of your way, God. Because I want your blessings to continue. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So what's the first question? Okay, it's a biggie, right? You, you, look, you got an outline, right? Okay, you got an outline right there. I want, you to, I want you to take notes. That's why you have an outline, you know, uh, because you really learn stuff more if you'll write it down and you'll hear it and you'll see it. And so that's why we're doing all these things right here together. I want you to take notes. And, and, uh, and the first question is really a biggie. I mean, it's just a big deal. It is, it is one of those that just kind of just keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And it's about homosexuality. Is homosexuality wrong? What about homosexual, homosexuals and all that, all that kind of stuff? Okay, well, first of all, I, I want to I deal with it on a practical uh, level for just a moment. Because the biggest issue right now is about homosexual unions or marriages and those kind of things. And redefining what marriage is. And, and here, here's one of the problems that, that people need to get, okay? This country needs to get. We didn't create the term marriage, married, being married, or marry somebody. We didn't create that. We didn't do it 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We didn't do it 200-something years ago when, we, uh, when, this, when this nation became a nation we didn't coin the term marriage. We didn't do that. Marriage has always meant one man and one woman. I know it's been perverted. It's been abused at times in, in other societies. Uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the scary thing is when we start doing that, what happens to those kinds of societies? And here's the practical issue. And, and, and I've been saying this for a while, and some people think I'm crazy. And so that's why I quit saying it a whole lot, but I'm going to say it again today. Uh, is that when we open the door... And we began saying, well, marriage is now going to be this. And we open the door. And we're like, once we start opening the door, a lot of other things can come in too. Once we, once we stop saying this is what marriage is, 
then we open the door to a lot of other things. For, for instance, you know, somebody's going to eventually, someone is going to eventually, we start opening this up this way, someone is going to eventually sue to get permission to marry their 10-year-old cousin. And you remember Warren Jeffers or something like that, what his name is, out in Texas in jail today because that's what, exactly what he was, he was requiring 10, 11, 12-year-old girls to do is marry the old men of their religious cult. And there are a bunch of idiots out there, perverts out there, and somebody's going to eventually want, if we open this door, somebody's going to eventually uh, going to ask the courts to give them permission to do the exact same thing. And then somebody else... And this is, this is where it gets a little weird, and people say, you're, you're funny, Pastor. Somebody else is going to file a lawsuit and ask for permission to marry their dog, or marry their cat, or marry their little bunny rabbit, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's going to happen, and I've been saying that for a long time, and people think I'm crazy, and, and they think, that'll never happen. Let me tell you something, I, I would love to be a false prophet on this. I would love to be. Now, don't take me out in the back and stone me like they had to do in the Old Testament. But I'd love to be a false prophet about this. And it finally hit me. You know, I've been saying this for a long time. We open this door. We'll never close it again. And it's going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And it hit me the other day. I thought, there's got to be some morons in the world that's already trying to do this. So I Googled. And I found it. And, you know, and, and I don't even give you the website because I don't want you looking at it. I don't want you to go look at it and give them a hit on their website and them thinking, oh, this thing is beginning to grow. You know, I don't want, I don't want 100 of you to go home today and hit that and they think, oh, wow, somebody's preaching about us out there. That's why I didn't even give you the website, but I want to give you a quote. I want you to hear what, the, what they're saying. This is about marrying your pet. It says, the church has many rules. See, see this is not play. They're, they're, they really believe this because they start with the church has many rules. But we don't think you can regulate love. To some people, their pet is more important than their fellow humans. We think it's time this relationship was given the importance it deserves. And here's the whole crux of the matter. And this is a a point there for your outline for you to fill in. Is once marriage becomes anything, then marriage is nothing. Once we open the door and say anything goes, and marriage can be this, 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 this. Once it is anything, then it is nothing. And that's why, listen, if I could just lay this out for you just a little bit more before I get into some Bible right here, is we have to understand where it is that we live today. We no longer live in this Judeo-Christian society that I was really raised in. I mean, we're in a different day. Teenagers that are growing up today, I mean, even my kids, and my kids are 20, 25, 27, something like that, 20, uh, 26, 27. I don't remember. Kristen's about to have a birthday, so I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, don't make me add up. I need to hurry. Uh, 25, 27, so I, I, I mean, but even they, they, when I tell them things about when I grow up, it's like we're living in a different world, and you know what? We are today. And so here's what you need to understand. We are no longer in that Christian society that I was raised in. We're in a secular democracy. And and, and we're not a a pure democracy because there's a lot of appointments that are made, especially our judges. And here's here's the issue of where it's going to be with us. Okay, church, a lot of people want to get militant about this and go out there and beat up anybody that doesn't agree with what the Bible says. But here's where we are. We don't live in a theocracy. We're not the Jews wandering around in the wilderness and God has spoken out of the mountain and we've got his law and he is in charge of our country. We don't live there anymore. We don't live in the, this United States that was one nation under God really anymore. And so the issue is going to be when this country gets to the place that the, that the majority of the people of this country want to, want, to, uh, want to allow homosexuals to marry, then it's going to happen. 
And the only thing you and I are going to really be able to do about it is pray, God, please send revival to America again. But here's here's the thing that you and I need to do is because understanding that when marriage means anything, it means nothing, you and I need to say, wait a minute. Okay, if you guys have got to have some kind of a civil union that means something, go ahead, pass it. But protect what marriage is because marriage has always been this. And marriage, yesterday we had a beautiful wedding right here. I stood here and married Brittany and and Zach, and they they were sharing their vows. And you know what? It means something because it's not just anything. It is about this man and this woman who have committed themselves. And everybody knows what it means when you've got that ring on your finger and you're married. It means something. And we need to defend the word and what the word means. And that's the thing that we need to pray against right now. Okay, but let's get some Bible on this. About this homosexual thing. Well, I'm not going to really just deal with that. I mean, I know you want me to just deal with that. You don't want me to get into your stuff, do you? But here's the thing. Let me give you a word. In the New Testament, the word for sin is amartia. Amartia. And anybody know what that word means? Well, Okay. Good job, Jay. (laughs) I I believe you. I believe you. (laughs) It means miss the mark. Armartia means miss the mark. It is like taking a bow and an arrow and aiming at a target. And and if you don't hit the bullseye, you've missed the mark, if that's what you're aiming at. You know, but some of us, you know, we're aiming, we're just we're just wanting to hit the target. You know, I haven't shot a bow since I was a kid, maybe a teenager or something, because the last time I tried that that string or what I guess it's a string, I don't know if you call it something else. You know, it, 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 hit my, it hit my wrist right here, and it just burned my wrist, you know, you know just, and, and it was so painful. I said, I, I don't want that anymore, you know. I'm going to shoot something. I'm going to kill something. I'm going to get a gun or something. Don't hurt so much, you know, but I never shot it. So, you know what? If we were to set up a target, you know, there at the back door, and I were to shoot a bow today, I would just be trying to hit the wall that the target is sitting next to. You know, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be aiming for a bullseye. I wouldn't be aiming for a target, you know. If I could just hit that wall back there, I'd probably be happy that I got it back that far. And that's the way a lot of us are in, the, in our relationship with God and our Christian walk is we're just trying to hit the wall. We're not trying to hit the target. And that's where the questions come from. What about homosexuality? But omartia, omartia means missing the mark. And you know what the mark is? Because here's the whole thing. Here's what sex is. Sex is, is a, has a divine purpose of being within a monogamous relationship of one man and one woman. That's the divine purpose. Anything else outside of that is sin because it is missing the mark. It's like the bullseye is, for sex, is one man and one woman eternally linked together. Anything outside that is missing the mark. And that word is defined, that missing the mark word is defined as sin. Okay, Genesis. Genesis chapter 5, verse 2. He says he created them male and female, blessed them and called them human. He created them male and female. He didn't, connect, he didn't create us to connect with the same gender, just like he didn't create us to connect with an animal. He didn't create us to do that. God created us male and female. We are different than they are. Don't have time to go into that. I gave it to you just a few weeks ago. You know that after, this, after its kind and after its kind and after its kind, they bring forth after their kind. God created us to connect male and female. And then in the book of Exodus... We have one of the Ten Commandments. You must not commit adultery. And that word doesn't just mean stepping out on your wife. If you look at the way Christ restated it in the New Testament, you'll see it means all manner of fornication, which means sexual immorality. And then in the New Testament, we go on as well. 
It says, uh, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does for sexual immorality. is a sin against your own body. Run from sexual sin. What is sexual sin? Anything that misses the mark. Anything that doesn't hit the mark then is sexual sin. And you need to run from. And that's why. Okay, I, I, you know, i got to get, get into this thing a little bit on the, the don't hate. You've seen the don't hate stuff around? Don't hate. Don't hate. I agree. Don't hate. That's not what God called us to do. He didn't call us to condemn. He didn't call us to hate. Don't hate. You know, don't hate a homosexual. And don't hate, a, uh, don't hate an adulterer. I don't like them a whole lot, you know, what they're doing to their families, but don't hate an adulterer. Don't, you know, because, hey, if we're going to hate homosexuals, if we want to take homosexuals out in the street and beat them like some people want to do and some people do, then you know what? We also need to drag the liars outside and beat them too. How many of you need a good beating right now then? We need to drag the gossips out there and beat them too. And let me tell you something. I know homosexuals, homosexuality is real high on some of your lists about what's, what's the worst sin. But for a pastor who's trying to maintain unity in, in, in a body, uh, in a church, let me tell you, gossip's real high on my sin. So, you know, uh, real high on my list of sins. So if we're going to start dragging people out, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure gossip's listed on that one too. But I'm going to make sure the one that I'm involved in, the one that I stumbled on, oh, no, let's, let's not put it on the list. He said, there's the problem. And here's the issue. The issue is anything. Anything that misses the mark. Which leads us right to the next question. What's the next question? Living together without being married. Living together before marriage. Is that wrong? Or is it okay? Is it okay? What's the big deal about living together before marriage? Amartya. It is missing the mark. You know, here's what I want you to write down right beside that little, is, is it wrong to live together before marriage? Here's what I want you to write down that little blank. See above info. Because what I just preached to you about why homosexuality is wrong is the same reason sex before marriage is wrong. It's the same reason that having a, an affair, stepping out on your spouse is wrong. It's the same reason anything, anything that is outside of a monogamous relationship between one man and one woman eternally linked together by the vows of marriage, it is wrong because it is amartia. Amartia, it is missing the mark. Amartia. Somebody say amartia. I want you to get that word because you're going to hear it again a few more times. So that's all you need to know about the rest of this. So i got, I got to hurry all right here. i got a couple. Uh, I want to mention these to, to you real quick, a couple of questions. Uh, these, uh, why should I give money to my church? How far is, you know, too far? I can squeeze that one in right here, right now. But these actually, I, I wanted you to know, these are going to come up in the next couple of sermon series. So we're not going to deal with them today. Just wanted you to know that. I may not say, hey, remember this from the frequently asked questions. But I just want you to know, these are coming up as well. Several of you have asked questions about some of those that you saw up there. And so that's why I'm, I, I'm kind of giving you that information. But where we were at just a moment ago leads very good, very well into this next thing about is divorce ever okay? You know, because we're talking, what we're talking about is, is, is the mark is what? The mark is, uh, the mark for sex, the divine purpose for sex, the, the mark of trying to hit the mark is within the confines of a monogamous relationship between one man and one woman eternally bound by this commitment like Zach and Brittany were making yesterday. And you know what? This subject right here has gotten a whole lot harder to preach about since the day I first became a pastor. Because there's so much more divorce. And there's so much more divorce even in the church. 
Okay, but here, here, I want you to get this, okay? I want you to understand this. We're not here, we're not going to take, we're not going to take homosexuals out and beat them after service. And we're not going to take divorced people outside and beat them after service either. You know, here's the deal. Wherever you find, you know, wherever God found you. I know, there's, there are a lot of people in our church that you messed up. Man, you messed up. You messed up royally. And you got, man, you've got a mess in your life. And you can't fix it. And you know what? I you know, sometimes wonder even if God can fix it. Because he doesn't. You know, why do you got to fix all this stuff? And so the issue, the issue is not what you've done. The issue is where you're going. It's where you're headed. It's the next step. God handles our past for us, but he wants us involved in fixing our future. Yeah. And that's part of next week's sermon series, okay? So you didn't, you didn't need to get people here for that one. So is divorce okay? I know what some of you want. Some of you want to say, preacher, I want you to tell us when divorce is okay. That's your question. You're really asking, all right, when do I get an out here about getting away from this man? What's my out here about? I know that's what everybody wants. They want to know when it's okay. I know, we're not going to do that. We're going to deal with when it's wrong. And here's the first question is, who do you wrong when you get divorced? I don't have time for you to take a little bit of time write them down, so I'm going to tell them to you, and you can write them down. And if you think of some more, you can. But first of all, you wrong your spouse when you get divorced. You wrong your children when you get divorced. You wrong every single person that has to hang around with you at Thanksgiving and Christmas and listen to you whine about why you don't have your kids enough and you don't have them with you this Christmas and about all the birthdays and all this stuff. Everybody has to hang around. You're wronging them because, you know, they're having to deal with all that kind of stuff too. I mean, it's, it's a mess. Divorce, divorce could be a mess. And some of you could say, hey, man, you know, because you, you, you're not in the cheap seats. You're right down in the middle of the field of action. You say, yeah, it's, this stuff is serious. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. So those are the people you're wrong. So I want to tell you three wrongs from Scripture. Okay? And you know, there are some, there are some pastors that are called to comfort the afflicted. I've always known that I've been called to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> I said in the first service after I was done with this divorce thing, if I have offended you, Good. And if I offend you in these next few moments, good. And then you know what? You are required by Scripture as a Christian to come tell me I offended you and let's talk about it because that's what we need to do. Man, that's what, we, that's, that's what I'm here to do right now is I want to pick at the scabs. If there's anything there underneath that you need to fix about yesterday, I want to pick at the scab and get that stuff flowing all over, get all that ugly, bloody stuff flowing all over again so we can fix this thing and go on. But that's not even really the reason that I'm preaching this today. I'm not preaching about your past. I'm preaching about your future. And your kids, I mean, some of, you know, here's the reason. Some of you, you know, your kids need to hear this. Especially if you've never told them about the big mess that your, mar- your, your divorce created and about the mess that you're still dealing with today. Because if they've never heard you tell that, you need to thank God you've got a pastor who will stand up and tell them about the mess that divorce will create in their life. Especially if you've been through it yourself. And then if you've never done it, you need to take this opportunity later today or sometime this week and say, hey, let me talk to you a little bit about what Pastor said Sunday. So here's three things real quick. First of all, the, the wrong number one, divorce is cruel. I didn't say that, but you know it. God said that in Malachi chapter 2. Uh, it says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of it. You know why he hates divorce? Because he created marriage and divorce destroys what he created. 
I hate divorce. Look what he goes on to say. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. Not just to be cruel. It will overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Ooh, wait a minute. Think about this. We're not just talking about any old God. (laughs) We're talking about the one who is... Above all, above all, he is the Lord of heaven's armies. And he says, if you divorce her, you're overwhelming her with cruelty. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Divorce is cruel. That's that's one of the biggest wrongs. And it's cruel to everybody in your family. Everybody that's got to deal with it. Everybody's got to struggle with it. And you know, if, if, if right now I'm already irritating you a little bit and you're getting a little offended it just may be that that you need to back up and you need to apologize to some people and say look yeah they were wrong but I was wrong too and listen I just want you to forgive me for all of my wrong maybe you need to do that because divorce is cruel and it messes up and I want you young people to hear that and those who just got married and those of you about to get married you need to hear this divorce is cruel when you make the decision make the decision for forever because a good divorce is never a good divorce There is no such thing. It's going to be tough. The second wrong is that divorce is abandonment. You know, when you get married, you're going to sign on the dotted line about something. A house, a car, or something. And when you divorce, you are leaving that person. You're abandoning them financially. Somebody's going to have to pay. I got an uncle who was going through a divorce and a friend of his, friend of his asked him one day, he said, well, how's it going? He said, well, it's going pretty good. He said, we're splitting everything right down the middle. She's getting the house, I'm getting the payments. She's getting the car, I'm getting the payments. Somebody's got to pay. You know, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't guiltless in this. But, you know, by, by abandoning, she was abandoning him. And even if she's not working, she's abandoning him to not be there. She's abandoned. And you're, you abandon people. When you divorce, you abandon. You say, I, I mean, you've, you've all heard and you've all thought about it. It's like, it's like almost kids of divorce sometimes are worse off than, than orphans. Because an orphan's parents didn't leave them on purpose. It was not an abandonment. It was an accident. It was a problem. It was an illness. It was a sickness. It was a car wreck or something. But you're abandoned. When you divorce, you abandon. And you abandon sexually. Now, David's not in here. But she did tell me when she saw some of the things that was on the outline, she did tell me not to be too graphic. So unless God tells me to, I'm going to not be too graphic and then please my wife. You also see that she's not in here, don't you? <laughs> I'm not going to be graphic, but I'll just say it this way, that once you become sexually active, it is hard for you to not be sexually active after. And when you divorce, you are abandoning that person sexually. Look what, scripture says, look what the Scripture says about this. About abandoning, it says, but I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. Causes her to commit adultery. Because what you do when you divorce your spouse, what you do is you put them in a place where they are now under a temptation they have not been under before. Especially, and I'm trying to not be too graphic, but especially if they were a virgin when you guys got married, they have never had this kind of temptation that they're going to have when you abandon them in divorce. That's what you're putting them on. You are abandoning them sexually, physically, just their peace of mind to know that somebody's going to be there for them forever, financially, in all these ways. The third wrong is remarrying. I don't know, and I don't have time to read you all the scriptures. The end of that last verse we just read that I skipped over, 
The end of that is one of those scriptures, but there are several in the New Testament. And, and, and Paul writes and tells us this, that you know, the sin is not the divorce. That basically, he says, look, if you just cannot live with the guy, you know, look, if you just can't put up with her nagging anymore and you have to get divorced, look what Paul says about it. He doesn't say it exactly like that, but look what he says. Those who are married, I command that comes from me, comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. But if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. He says, but if you do divorce, don't remarry. Because the sin is actually in the remarrying. Now, this, this, is a, this is a big Pandora's box to open right here and not have time to really discuss it. If you've got issues with this, you need to talk to the pastor afterwards. But the sin is in the remarrying. If you can't live together, if you're going to kill each other, then by all means, separate. Do something. Let's fix this thing. Talk to the pastor. Talk to a counselor whatever. But the sin is in the remarrying because in the remarrying, what you're doing is you are breaking the vow that you made to be together for forever. And God says, and God's word says, the two shall become one flesh. And what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And I know that's, that's a tough thing because some of you sitting here right now are divorced and remarried. Am I living in sin, Pastor? That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. To all of you who are recently married, those of you who are married right now, those of you who are going to be married one day, I want, to, I want you to understand this. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card when you go get a divorce. It's not all over. It's not a contract that you just end and say, I'm selling my car and it's not over. You are connected to that person eternally in God's eyes. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching a, a church God of prophecy uh, uh, doctrine and they, because they, actually, uh, they would actually tell some of you who are, who are divorced or remarried, they'd tell you, okay, you got a divorce one you're living with now, go back to your previous. Well, wait a minute, what if they're married and they got 20 kids? Can't marry them. I, I'm not preaching that kind of a, a, a doctrine right here. I'm saying wherever we are today, we got to pick up and go on from here. But wherever you are today, don't bring this trash into your life. And if you have any ideas the person you're dating is not going to be somebody you can live with the rest of your life. Don't bring this trash into your life. Put it all aside and say, God, bring me the man or woman that I can live with for the rest of my life and have a beautiful life. i got to hurry. It's uh, one minute till. I can't do it. I'm going to do what I can. If you get bored, your legs fall asleep, you need to step out, go ahead. Is abortion ever Okay. I got so much to tell you here, and if you, won't, if you got questions, just come ask me. But let me tell you, there's two things. Let's get real. Tell somebody, let's get real. Let's get real. Here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, real quick, we're going to be real. And the real, the real issue is this. Here's the real issue. It ain't about the baby. The real issue is sexual freedom without any consequence. That's what we want. We want sexual freedom without any consequence. We want to be able to sleep with anybody we want to and then go have an abortion next week, next month if we have to. We want sexual freedom without, without any consequence. It's just, like the, it's just like we all. I mean, we live in a very narcissistic society. I said in the early service, I believe this is, that may even be the defining word of this generation is narcissism. And, the, and, and, you know, because you know what we all want to do, don't This afternoon, we all want to go to Ryan's and eat every single thing on the buffet and not gain a pound. Right? That's what we want. We want, we want everything. We want a freedom to do anything we want and not have to pay any consequence for it. And it doesn't work. How many of you have ever prayed, God, take the calories out of this food? Now, I've heard people pray that. Guess what? He didn't. It doesn't work that way. You sow the seed, you're going to reap it. 
Oh, somebody, oh my goodness, God just crawled all over me with that. Somebody better hear this. Somebody's in danger right here. If you sow the seed, you're going to reap it. I have a whole lot of stuff. I have a whole lot of stuff I deal with in my life. I'm a, I'm, I was born in this. My God carried me, uh, my, my mom carried me to church before I was born. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I've been going to church since before I was alive, breathing on this earth. But I got stuff that I've sown some seed and I still deal with in here. If you sow the seed, you are going to reap the reward. It's going to come up. You cannot sow the wild oats and say, God, please don't let it come up. It's going to happen. We want our freedom without any consequence, and that just isn't God's way. It's not the way of the world. That's not the way of our spirit. That's not the way of anything. And so the, that's the real issue, and here's the real question. Here's the real argument when life begins. There, is, there are only two answers to that question. It's when an embryo becomes alive. It's conce- either at conception or at birth. Okay, I don't have time to flesh all this out, but let me say it real quick because I can. It can't be anything in the middle because you can't say, oh, well, it becomes, a, it becomes a baby at 32 weeks. So then at 31 weeks and six days, you can kill it? I mean, where, where are you going to draw the line? I mean, the fact is we don't really know, so the best thing to do is let's not mess with it, right? So the only issue, the only possible answers are it's either got to be conception or birth. You can't be in a, I mean, there, there, there's no definitive moment right there. And so I'll agree with you. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you can prove to me some way that it's at birth, I'll, I'll say, okay. But don't you try to tell me it's sometime between. That's just stupid. That it's sometime between. It is either conception or birth. And here's the problem if it's birth. If a, if a, if a fetus is not a living, living being before birth, that means five minutes before it comes through the birth canal, you can kill it and it won't be wrong. You see, we got a lot of problems with all this. It don't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And you know, you know why God hates abortion? I know his word doesn't say, I hate abortion. You know, read Old Testament, you'll see some of that. You know why God hates abortion? Because just like marriage is destroyed by divorce, and he hates divorce because it destroys something he created, he created that baby inside the mother's womb. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures. I've been giving them to you for the past few weeks. Before our members were written, he knew us. He was creating us in our womb. He creates this, and what abortion does is abortion destroys his creation. And I know some of you, I know the one argument is, but what about to save the life of mother? The only time it is, it is permissible to take the life of another human being is... Self-defense. You know, but here's the thing. Is if it was truly self-defense, it won't be a mom knocking on a, a, an abortion clinic door saying, hey, you got to come get this baby out of me because it's killing me. The mom will not be making the decision on that. It'll be a doctor. If a mom makes that decision, it ain't about, it ain't about that the baby's killing her. It is about, I want my sexual freedom. I don't want to pay any consequence. Oh, goodness. God, this is heavy today, isn't it? Man, this was, so, this was just so fun, the first service. This is getting heavy here right now. The Spirit of God is, is really moving in this place right now in a heavy way. Man, I was having fun in praise and worship again. This is getting heavy. And it's never okay because of amartia missing the mark. 
This was God's creation. And it is not our privilege to destroy what he has created. Three quick ones. I'll throw it to you as quick as I can. What about alcohol? I know there's a lot of people out there saying, I just take a little bit of alcohol. It's all right, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I know, and listen, I know some of you, some of you, the doctors even told you, you need to take a half a glass of wine before you go to bed, whatever, because, you know, Paul told Timothy, you need to do this for your stomach. I don't know if he had ulcers or whatever, if he was a worry ward of a pastor or what, but Paul told Timothy, you need to do this. And, hey, listen, I, I take NyQuil when I get stopped up. Man, I, I get that stuff to knock it out of me. But I don't buy it in the two-liter bottles. Come on, you following me? I'm trying to hurry here. I hope you follow me there. You understand what I'm saying. Let me give you a little different perspective on this. Alcohol is a medicine. It is a drug. God gave it to us. It's a merciful gift. It is a drug. It is a, it is a medicine. And when we use it, with, and when we do use anything outside of its divine purpose, guess what we're doing? Amartia. Missing the mark. How many of you like football? You like to watch football, college football? Oh, come on, the rest of you lying. There's a bunch of you here. You know what? Let me ask you this. Would it be all right for you to invite a bunch of guys? Next, hey, next Saturday, come over to my house. We'll watch the game together. And don't forget, bring your Oxycontin. Going to have a good time watching the ball game. Or Friday, we're going to have a party. Bring your Demerol or, or, or BYOL, you know, bring your own lower tab. We're going to have a good time. Would that be okay? Come on. And even if the government comes out with a law tomorrow and says it's okay to take it however you want to, as much as you want to, whenever you want to, it still wouldn't be okay, even if the government says it's okay, it wouldn't be morally right to use it outside of the way God intended to be used. It would be a, a martia. It would be missing the mark. Tobacco? <laughs> Just tell me. How is tobacco helping you hit the mark with God? How is it helping your relationship? Gambling? Is gambling bettering your relationship? Is gambling bettering your life? Not the poor kids of Walker County who for the past several, several years have gone to bed hungry, many of them, because their parents were blowing their lunch money in bingo halls. Not the, not the kids all over the state who many of their parents drive to drive to Georgia to buy lottery tickets and waste their money. Oh, and, and you can waste your money on a little bit of anything. I'm not letting you off the hook with that. I'm saying that's a martia too. Because here's the question. Here's the question. Is how does gambling help you hit the mark? How does it... Do, I mean, are you hitting the mark with your finances by gambling? Are you hitting the mark with your tithing and giving by your gambling? Are you hitting the mark with doing good to your brother? Because, you know, I mean, she's like, well, I pay my tithes and I give offerings and I still got money left over. So I just go buy, you know, just go buy a few lottery tickets. Is that helping you hit the mark? I mean, you know, because what if, what if I just heard from Brother Cecil this past week, the, the founder and director of... Uh, Bread of Life Romanian Orphanage, the orphanage that we support. And they have 1,300 homeless kids in their city that they, they can't keep in their orphanage. They only have room for 90. They have 1,300 more kids, orphan kids, uh, homeless kids in their city that they're still trying to find jackets for before uh, this winter. And if you look at a map, they're, 
Their weather is more like our northeast corner of our country than it is here. They don't have 105 degrees, you know, for three months straight and have snow for two days and it's over. They've got 1,300 homeless kids and kids that don't have coats that they're trying to find. And I wonder how many lottery tickets we'd have to skip just to buy a coat. Come on. It's when we use what God has created outside of its divine purpose that it is a martia and it is missing the mark. Come on, Jamie, if you will. You see the last thing on there is what, pastor's FAQs? I'll give them to you real quick. I'm not, I, 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 I think I'm going to skip that third one this time. I told you that first service didn't I, Brandon? <laughs> I think I'm going to skip this third one. I don't know if I will. But the first one is this. Some of you are still doing it your way. Here's my question again. I've been asking you this for two months, maybe, uh, six weeks at least. How's that working for you? You still doing it your way? I'm watching you. You're not hiding it from me. I can see it. And I was thinking last night, I wonder if somebody would come to me during a prayer time at the front and say, Pastor, am I one of those people that you're seeing? I'm still trying to do it my way. I wish somebody would come ask me because you know what I'd, you know what I'd tell them? I'd say, since you're asking the question, yeah, probably so. Because you already know. You're still, you're doing it your way. You ain't doing it God's way. And how's that working for you? It's not, is it? Come on, we know. You and I know it's not working. You're still doing it your way. You're still doing a little bit of it God's way, but you're still missing the mark here, there, whatever, and in places that you know. And secondly, let me ask you this question. Here's the thing. You know, a lot of times I've heard people say, well, are you closer to God now than you were six months ago or whatever, whatever? I don't care about that. Here's what I care about. What direction are you facing? Are you walking toward God or away from Him? The last decision you made spiritually, did it get you closer to God or farther away from Him? The last thing you did, the last thing you did that had anything to do with God, was it something that, that was a step toward him or a step away from him? That's the question I got for you this morning. Those are my, those are my FAQs for you today. Is how's it working for you? And are you walking toward or away from God? What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you walking toward or away from him? This last little thing here. Let me do this. I'm going to bring you here. I want to bring you up front, but let, let me ask you this. I, I, I want us to do this with symbolism, really, today. Just like water baptism is symbolic of dying, your old life dying and being resurrected in Christ, new life, here's a symbol for you today. I'm choosing to go God's way. I'm failing at a lot of things. I'm not doing it like I ought to be doing it. I, God, I need your help. Help me go your way. And so, God, I'm going to step your way. And symbolically, I want to do it by stepping up and coming to the front of this church and saying, God, I'm trying. And here's the symbol, God, of my trying as I'm walking towards you today. I'm coming toward the front, God, trying to get closer to you. Trying to try to find a way to hit the mark. I want to do that. Can you say that with me today by standing and coming to the front? Let's close around here like we always do. Come on, I got one last thing I want to share with you. Some of, you, some of you need prayer this morning because you need God. You need God to rescue you from yourself. I, I, I would have said that, that there, I would have said that there may be some people that need that today.
way God was moving on my heart. Step, step in a little bit closer, if you will. We got some people still in that. Anyhow, the way God was burning my heart while I was speaking today. I know that there are some people today. And you need to come. You need to come. Just take hand. Take the hands of one of these prayer team members and say, "Please, please agree with me that God will rescue my life from this or that." Here, I want to wrap this whole thing up with you with one thing. Because this is what this is all about. It's about going God's way. You know what these frequently asked questions are? Not, not mine, but the others. You know what they are? Imagine this. I want, I want to draw you another little parallel. Imagine, imagine a couple that's about to get married. And he comes to her right before they get married. And he says, now, honey, I know we're about to get married. And I know after we get married, you're not going to let me date anybody else. And kissing's probably going to be out of the question, too. And I won't be able to kiss anybody else. Hold anybody else's hand. Probably can't flirt with them or wink at them. But let me ask you this. Can I look at them? Can I text them? Can I just go have lunch with them? Young ladies, you ever have that conversation with a young man? Run. Get away from him as quick as possible. Because listen, you deserve... You deserve somebody who cares about you so much that they don't want to find out what they can do to have you and get away with, what they can get away with and still have you. You need somebody who is all about you, all about your relation, his relationship with you. That's what you deserve. You deserve somebody who cares that much and isn't trying to figure out what they can still get away with. And you know what? God deserves that too. And when we're asking that question, say, well, 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 can I do this and still go to heaven? That's like saying, God, I, look, I know, I know we got a relationship here, God. But, and I know you're not going to let me kill anybody. You don't want me to lie, but what about a little gossip, Lord? What about a little of this, God? What about, we're doing the exact same thing as a young man who is trying to figure out what he can get away with and still be married. We're doing the same thing. And you know what? That's why your relationship with God is not what it's supposed to be. That's why you're struggling. That's why, there, that's why there's no connection. I mean, those of you who are married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The break in your marriage, the break in your connection with your, with your mate because there, there's no real connection because you're not really in it. And your relationship with God, when you're not really in it, there is no connection. And then you know what we do? We start blaming it on somebody else. Old Sunday school teacher, you just ain't doing a good job. Pastor's not preaching a good message. Prayer team don't know how to pray anymore. And the lady leading the music... Jesus is leading all the wrong songs. And that's why I don't feel God anymore. The reason you don't feel God anymore is because you're not in it. Get in it. Get in it. And get in it all the way. No more amartia. Missing the mark. No more trying to find out what you can get away with. But make the decision today to come. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, I, I, I need somebody to help me pray today. Come on, come to the front. Close your eyes right now. Come find one of these prayer team members and say, I want you to agree with me right now. Before I kill my marriage, before I kill my relationship, before I kill my job, before I kill my finances, before I destroy my relationship with my kids, before I destroy my relationship with my parents, I want you to agree with me that God will rescue. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. I'm sorry, Jamie. Go ahead if you will. Come on. Hurry. Come on. Come. Some of you, many of you need to come to the front and ask a prayer team member to pray with you. Come on.